Take your Bible with me tonight and turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, as we continue our study on the ministry of the Holy Spirit and what it means to be Spirit-filled. As we've been looking in the book of Acts on Sundays, we have seen God's work through God's Holy Spirit as He continues His work around the world. You know, some people have said that Acts should not be called the Acts of the Apostles, but rather the Acts of the Holy Spirit as He works through His church and as He builds His church around the world. We know what Jesus said in John chapter 15, For without me ye can do nothing. We can do nothing without Him. Last week we looked at the Spirit-filled life and what it means each day to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit is to allow the Spirit's control in our life. And it is something we ought to pray for. It's something we ought to seek. It's something as we begin each day, we should ask the Lord to control our thoughts, to control our actions, to control our minds so that we might be controlled by the Spirit of God. But tonight I want to continue on from where we went last week and take this idea of walking in the Spirit. You're in Galatians chapter 5. I'd like you to follow along with me in verses 13 through 15. Did you find it there in your Bible? Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, what's the next phrase say? But by love, serve one another. Some people in their lives think, well, I can do whatever I want to do. And in fact, if you are saved, the Bible tells us you have great liberty, you have great freedom, but that freedom is not to be used to consume on yourself to use just to please yourself. No, He tells us what that freedom, that liberty is used for. He says, but by love serve one another. Look at verse 14. It says, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus was asked the question, who is my neighbor? And do you remember the response that he gave? He told the story of the Good Samaritan, of this man who was on the road traveling down to Jericho. And he fell in among thieves. Thieves robbed him and they injured him and they left him hurt on the side of the road. They, they took his belongings. And along came a priest, a religious leader, a man schooled in the Word of God, a man who from every public appearance was a man who walked with God and followed God. And yet this man, when he saw the injured man there on the side of the road, he passed by him on the other side. And then Jesus told that a second man came along behind that priest, and this man was a Levite also one who was a leader in the temple, probably a leader in the temple worship, maybe part of the choir. 
Maybe one of the musicians that participated there in the temple, this man also would have had great understanding of the Word of God, would be a man who would be expected to do what God would have him to do. And yet, when this Levite saw that injured man on the side of the road, he went and looked at him, but then he passed by on the other side. And then along came a Samaritan. Now, to Jesus' Jewish audience, the fact that a Samaritan is part of this story would have immediately caught their attention because Samaritans were not loved by the Jews. The Samaritans and the Jews did not get along at all. And in fact, many Jews, if they had to travel to a place that might require them to go through Samaria, would instead choose a longer route and go around Samaria rather than have to go through Samaria and interact with those people. It'd be sort of like if, if one of us today said, I'm not going to that part of town. I don't care that I have to get to the other side. I'm going to drive around rather than go through. But Jesus, earlier in His ministry in John chapter 4, He chose, He said, I must needs go through Samaria. And that's where He met the woman at the well. And that's where he told her about the water of life and how she could be saved. And this woman came to the Lord and she brought her whole town of Sychar to Christ. And so along came this Samaritan in Jesus' story. And he went and he saw this man injured on the side of the road. He went and he ministered to his needs. He bound up his wounds. He put him on his donkey and he took him to a hotel where he paid for the man's lodging and food and said, if this man incurs any other cost when I get back, I will pay what is owed. And then Jesus turned to all of those people, all of those religious people who were watching him and listening to him, and he said, which man was neighbor to the injured man on the side of the road? The question was, or the answer was very clear even though the answer was not one that his Jewish audience wanted to give. The answer was the Samaritan was the neighbor. So I think this important question, even as we're reading here in the book of Galatians chapter 5, it helps us to understand who our neighbor is. And I would say this, our neighbor is not determined by what they can do for us in return. Our neighbor is not determined by what their background is, what their ethnicity is what they look like, the situation that, they, that you find them in, your neighbor is anybody that God brings you into contact with that you have the ability to minister to them in their time of need. That's a neighbor. Your neighbor is who you have an opportunity to minister to. And God puts us in positions all the time throughout our day where we have the opportunity to be a neighbor to somebody else. And Jesus, or, or I'm sorry, Paul here in Galatians, as he's writing to this church, he says, the whole law is fulfilled in this one word to love thy neighbor as thyself. He says, but if ye, be, if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one another. Now, I want you to look down just a few verses later to uh, chapter 5 and verse 25. Chapter 5, verse 25. Let me get to the right page here. 
It says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Go back as well to verse number 16. It says, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a pretty amazing statement, isn't it? If you will walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is the lust of the flesh? Well, it's living for your own self. It's fulfilling your own desire. He says, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a big thing, isn't it? The Bible talks about the war that's in us between the flesh and the Spirit. We talked about that several weeks ago in our study. The struggle is real, right? So how do we overcome that? struggle of the flesh, we must walk in the Spirit. Let me take you over to one other passage of Scripture as we're thinking about this idea of walking in the Spirit. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So what's the difference? Last week we talked about being filled with the Spirit. Now we're talking about walking in the Spirit. What's the difference? Well, I want to give you five things tonight to help you understand what it means to walk in the Spirit. The first one is this. Walking in the Spirit is the natural result of being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means to be Spirit-controlled. And if I get up in the morning and I say, Holy Spirit... Lead me, guide me, control me, control my thoughts, control my actions. Then that walking in the Spirit is then the process of living moment by moment throughout the day controlled by the Spirit. So when I'm controlled by the Spirit, I can then walk in the Spirit. Does that make sense? I can walk in the Spirit's strength because I'm allowing the Spirit to control me, to fill me. The word walk implies to march in step with, to fall into rank, or to conform to the future of. In the Bible, the word walk is often used to reference your daily lifestyle. What's your daily lifestyle? Well, if you, if you are eight years old in here, your daily lifestyle might consist of waking up in the morning, finding something to do in your room, waiting until your mother calls you down for breakfast, going down, eating breakfast, leaving a mess all over the table, and going off and finding something fun to do in the yard, pulling out some balls and toys, leaving a mess in the yard, and then coming back inside and finding something else to do in there. Maybe, maybe you're watching a little bit of TV or playing a game. Then you're waiting for lunchtime, and you're so hungry by lunch. In fact, you tell your mom, Mom, I'm just starving. When are we going to ever eat? And your mother says, it's only 1030 in the morning. We have to wait a little bit longer. But when you're eight, you're so busy, and you're just hungry all the time. 
and then finally it makes it to lunchtime and you eat lunch and, and, and your mother says, now make sure to take your dishes to the sink. You didn't do that at breakfast this morning. Okay, and so you remember to put your dishes by the sink and little do you realize your mother is coming along behind you sweeping up all the crumbs and wiping the table and cleaning up the jelly and peanut butter that was smeared on the side of your chair that you used instead of your napkin, right? And cleans up after you and takes care of that mess. And then now you're off into the afternoon and you have this huge afternoon in front of you to do fun things and to enjoy your afternoon. And then finally it's supper and then the dreaded words come. It's bedtime. And oh, bedtime already. I just want to play. I just want to have fun. But your mother knows best, and you're probably pretty tired by that point. And so she helps you calm down, and you finally go to sleep. And you sleep like a rock all night. You wake up in the morning ready to go again. And you wonder why your mom looks so tired. It's because after you went to sleep, then she was busy cleaning and taking care of things and working around the house and trying to take care of stuff that she needed to get done during that day. That, that might be a day in the life of an eight-year-old during the summertime. But I would ask each of you just to think in your own mind, what does a day look like in your life? As you get up, I hope it includes spending time in God's Word. I hope it includes spending time in prayer. There are things we understand that we do almost every day. Maybe you took a shower. Maybe you uh, put some laundry in the machine. Maybe you went to work. Maybe you went out to lunch with a friend. Maybe you made an important phone call or you looked at the stack of mail and you finally went through it and paid some of those bills before they became past due. I don't know what all is in your day, but a day lived without the controlling power of the Holy Spirit, a day lived without walking in the Spirit is a day that is lived less than what it could be. Because living a life where we walk in the Spirit is truly the way we as human beings can live life to the fullest. How do we know that? Well, he says, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So walking in the Spirit, number one, is the natural result of being filled with the Spirit. Number two, walking in the Spirit is the developed discipline of listening to and obeying Him in the minutia of your daily life. I think the key word to me in this point is the word discipline. Walking in the Spirit requires discipline. You know what this is like. If you've ever tried to be on a diet, if you've ever tried to exercise on a program to build your strength, if you've ever had to take medication on a regular basis, it requires discipline. Right? You have things that you need to do at the same time each day. You have certain things that you need to avoid. You have other things that you need to put into your life and into your body. It requires Discipline. You know, it requires discipline to have a job too, doesn't it? People that show up late for work in time don't have a job. People that don't do their work while they're at work and they spend their whole time talking and texting with their friends on their phone eventually don't have a job. Why? Because they don't have discipline. Discipline is a hard thing, isn't it? 
boys and girls understand how hard discipline is. Guess what, boys and girls? It's hard for grown-ups, too. Discipline is hard work. Discipline is that ability with God's help, through God's strength, to learn to do the right things even when I don't feel like them. I don't always feel like exercising. I don't always feel like eating right. But because I have discipline, I might choose to do the right thing even when it always doesn't, it, it, it doesn't always feel like doing the right thing. Walking in the Spirit is the developed discipline of listening to and obeying Him in the minutia of your daily life. How do you develop discipline? Well, you develop discipline one moment at a time, one day at a time, right? A lot of people get to places in their life where they mess up. Well, if you mess up, get back up, right? If you fall, get back up. If you mess up, confess your sin, get it right with God and get back to what you should be doing. It's the same thing if you were on an exercise program and you missed one day of exercise. What do you do? Do you just quit exercising forever? No, you say, okay, I'm going to go exercise today. I missed it yesterday. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I missed spending time in God's word yesterday, but that doesn't mean I have to miss it today. Here's what often happens I find in my life. Because to be honest, I, 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 I'm growing in discipline. I'm constantly growing in it. But there are days when I, when I fail and I fall just like everybody else. But I often find God is reminding me about those failures or things where I, maybe I didn't spend enough time in prayer and God will convict my heart about it. You know what that is? When God reminds you of those things that you didn't pray like you should have or you didn't spend enough time in the Bible and you say, you know, I just kind of felt like I didn't really walk in the Spirit today, then listen to the Holy Spirit's leading in your heart. When He's reminding you of those things, He's telling you, confess to me, get it right. But too many times we just kind of push it away. Well, I just feel like a failure. Oh, this always happens to me. Oh, I, I was trying, I had been doing such a good job and now I can't do it anymore. No, get back up and do the right thing the next day. D discipline is developed in our life, and it's developed moment by moment, day by day. If you see somebody spiritually or physically that you just say, man, they're so disciplined. They do it so well. How could I ever be like that? Well, it just starts one day at a time. You know, if you see somebody with giant muscle, they weren't born like that. It just took daily exercise to get there. If you see somebody that has great skill in a particular area, they weren't born that way. I read somewhere, and this was just an average study that they did, they said it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become a professional at something. 10,000 hours, that's a lot of hours. Some of you are going to do the math later and figure out if you did it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, how many weeks that would be of solid practice? 10,000 hours. You know, people will spend 10,000 hours training to become a professional athlete. People will spend 10,000 hours training to become a professor in some area of study. People will spend 10,000 hours to become a professional, all kinds of things. 
What kind of time are we spending to develop the discipline of walking in the Spirit? It takes discipline. It's a developed discipline in our life. You see, the Spirit is interested in what you think about, what you listen to, what you watch, what you read, what you say, how you act, and who you spend time with. In every possible situation, you must choose between the will of the flesh and the will of the Spirit. You ever thought about that as you go through your day? And again, we talked about an eight-year-old's day. You may not be an eight-year-old, but you have your day. As you walk through that day, are you taking those moments and saying, Lord, in this moment, I want to please you. Lord, help me to do right here. In this moment when I want to react and lash out, no, Lord, help me to speak truth. Help me to speak kindly. Help me to speak your word. When you really are just tired and you're done with everything, God, help me to rest. Help me to, help me to rest in you and find my strength in you. Moment by moment, day by day, walking in the Spirit. It's listening to His prompting and obeying it. As the Holy Spirit guides you, as He as he convicts you, as he reminds you of things. Today, I was driving down the road and the, and the Holy Spirit reminded me of somebody in the church that I needed to check on. You say, how do you know it was the Holy Spirit? Well, there's a lot of people in the church. I don't think about every single person every moment of the day. And so I've come in my own life when, when God brings somebody to my mind and I think, you know what, I, that must be the Holy Spirit. I'm going to call that person right now and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to send a text right now and see how they're doing. When God's Holy Spirit brings somebody or something to your mind, when He reminds you of something, that's what the Holy Spirit does. We looked at that weeks and weeks ago, how the Holy Spirit, He guides us into truth, how He convicts us, how He leads us, how He helps us in our Christian life. When God brings those things to mind, don't ignore it. Don't turn it off. Don't say, well, I'm too busy doing this over here. No, perhaps you need to put down what you're doing and say, no, Lord, in this moment, I want to follow you. We get so busy trying to accomplish our plan, and it's no wonder we're not walking in the Spirit. So number three really builds on what we just have been talking about. Walking in the Spirit is to remember Him, to include Him, to call upon Him and to obey Him. Walking in the Spirit means I'm going to remember what God is having me to do moment by moment. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah said in chapter 2, verse 32, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? You've probably never seen a bride show up to her wedding and say, Oh, I forgot my wedding dress. No, she remembered that. Why? Because it was important to her. Why? Because she'd put preparation into that day. In fact, she'd probably been dreaming of that day for years, maybe her entire life. He says, yet my people have forgotten me days without number. See, our problem is not that we don't have enough time. Our problem is not that we're too busy. Our problem is we get to do or we do what we want to do. We do what we put our mind to do. Are you choosing to walk in the Spirit, to remember Him, to include Him, to call upon Him, and to obey Him? It starts in the morning, right? But then it has to continue moment by moment throughout the day. It takes discipline to do that. It's easy to forget things if you've not 
been in a habit of doing them. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you, when He reminds you, be quick to listen and obey the Holy Spirit. How many days have passed since you remembered to walk in the Spirit? Say, oh, it's been a long time. Well, why not begin walking with Him today? Why wait? You see, a messed up life is just a whole bunch of bad decisions put together. But a blessed life is a whole bunch of good decisions put together. Sometimes you think, well, I've made a lot of bad decisions. Well, let me make this one good decision. Now my whole life's going to be blessed. Well, it doesn't always work out that way, right? Because now I've got to start in a new direction, go a new way. Walking in the Spirit. You say, well, I tried it one time and I didn't feel any different. Because you need to keep walking in the Spirit. It's a day by day. It's a moment by moment. It's living and walking with Him. Number four, walking in the Spirit will face resistance from the flesh. How true that is. If you desire to walk in the Spirit, even tonight as we close in a few minutes, you may say, Lord, help me to walk in the Spirit. Guess what? You might just begin having a battle that you never knew that you could even have before. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians 6 tells us that. That's why you have to put on the whole armor of God. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to, even over the past few months, who have told me, in my life I'm trying to choose to follow God, and now all of a sudden it got more difficult. Why? Because you just entered the battle. You just went from going your own way and the way of the flesh to now going against the grain, against the stream and trying to follow God. In fact, it's come to the place now when people are sitting with me or I'm talking with them and they're committing to follow the Lord. I say, this is a wonderful thing, but I want to warn you because now you're in a battle. You thought you were in a battle before and Yes, you might have been struggling, going through a lot of things, but now you're waging a spiritual battle against the spiritual wickedness, and you cannot win this battle in your own strength. You need the Lord's help. When you decide to walk in the Spirit, expect resistance. But here's the crazy thing. Yes, there's resistance from outside, but a lot of times the resistance is in our own flesh. Say, what's that feel like? It feels like when you've committed to get up at 5.30 in the morning and go to the gym and work out, and you wake up at 5.28 and you go, I feel terrible today. I don't want to get up and work out. It feels like when you've decided to go on a diet and to improve your physical health by what you put into your body, and then somebody invites you over to their house and says, guess what? We're having cheesecake for dessert tonight. Say, well, cheese, isn't that good for you? You know, I have that. And then you feel the struggle of the flesh, don't you? The same thing happens when we desire to walk in the Spirit. That's when we face the resistance, even, yes, of our own flesh. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh, oh, yes, the flesh, it is weak. It is weak, and it takes discipline. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, 
lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What does he mean by this? You can talk a big game. You can tell everybody how serious you are about following God, but you better watch out and grab tight hold of your own flesh because it's going to try to go every which way except for the way that you should go. Keep under your body. Grab hold of it. Nope, can't do that. I have to do the right thing. Oh, but, I, but my, my flesh desires this. It tastes so good. It feels so good. It surely won't matter. Just this one little thing. But see, when we give up in that one little area, we're now starting to set a little precedent in our life and say, no, I'm going to follow the flesh instead of the spirit. It's a battle. It's a struggle. It's real. We need the Spirit's help. It's a daily struggle. Expect resistance when you walk in the Spirit. But number five, and I want you to turn over to one other passage of Scripture tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a little bit longer passage of Scripture. I'm not preaching through the whole thing. I just want you to see a couple of things here in verses 9 through 16. You see, walking in the Spirit allows you to receive God's instructions. A lot of people feel like, well, I'm not hearing from God. How do I know what God wants me to do? Walk in the Spirit and you will be better prepared. Put yourself in a position to be able to hear or receive God's instructions. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. Isn't that a tremendous promise from God? Did you hear what I just read? That your eye has not seen. You've never seen it with your eyes. You've never heard with your ears. It hasn't even entered in your heart. It's beyond even what you could imagine. The things that God's prepared for you. I think that's one of our struggles of walking in the Spirit, isn't it? Because walking in the Spirit means walking by faith. It means going God's way. And when I go God's way and walk by faith, I can't see how it's all going to work out. When you're struggling with choosing to walk in the Spirit, and do things the Lord's way, I would encourage you to go back to this verse and this promise right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. As it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love Him. You say, well, that's a wonderful promise. How do we ever get to know about those things? Look at verse 10. What's it say? But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So how do we get to know these wonderful things that God has for us? He's revealed them to us by His Spirit. Maybe we don't get to experience the wonderful things that God has for us because we're not walking in the Spirit. If we would walk in the Spirit, Galatians says, we would not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 1 Corinthians tells us if we walk in the Spirit, 
God reveals to us these wonderful things that He has for us. These things that on our own we wouldn't see or hear or even be able to imagine. Here's the amazing thing. When you're walking in the Spirit, He may lead you in a path you would have never seen without His leading. He may encourage you to go in a direction to walk by faith and to take a step to do something that you would have never done without His leading. I find that in my own life, and you've probably seen that even in your own life. Think about it. Five years ago, could you imagine where you would be sitting right now? And imagine all that you had been through in the last couple of years. Could you have imagined that? Probably not. You say, well, it hadn't all been good. No, but if God's been with you, He's still brought you through some things, hasn't He? See, when the Holy Spirit's leading, He even helps us when we fail and when we fall and when we mess up. And God is good that He would bring all of us here together tonight. The Spirit reveals them to us. Why? Because the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? In other words, pick on Ryan, he's here. I don't know what's going on in Ryan's mind. Only Ryan knows because I'm not in his head. So no man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. But it says, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So how do you know what's in God's mind for you? How do you know what God's plans are for you? Well, the only way to know is through the Spirit of God. Because He's the only one that knows what God's mind is, what God's plan is for you and for me. Next verse, verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit of which is of God. That's the Holy Spirit, right? That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Did you know God gives us so many wonderful gifts and He gives them to us freely? But if we're not walking in the Spirit, we don't get to experience what those things are like. You ever realized how much you miss out on when you're not walking with God? Some of you know this because as you're trying to walk with God now, you go, man, I'm so glad I'm walking with God now. The only comment I ever hear from people is something to this effect. I just wish I had started doing this a lot sooner. I just wish that I had been walking with God when I was even younger than I am now. I wish I hadn't waited so long. I have never talked to anybody who's walked with God faithfully over a period of time and says, you know, I really wish I hadn't walked with God as long as I had. If you ever hear somebody like that, I'd be interested to talk to them. If they're walking with the Lord. He says, we get to know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. The Holy Spirit teaches us these things, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. But the natural man, that's the natural man is you without the Holy Spirit. It's you without God living in you. That's the natural man. Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So if you're walking in your own flesh, you cannot even receive the things that the Spirit has for you. Could you read your Bible? Yes. Could you utter words and call it a prayer? Sure. 
but you're not going to be able to receive the things that the Spirit has for you. It says, for they are foolishness unto them, just like babbling noise, not even making any sense. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Look at verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. How do we get the mind of Christ? It's because the Holy Spirit gives us God's way for our lives. What I've come to learn in my life is that the Holy Spirit is always speaking. He's always guiding. He's always directing. He's always leading. Sometimes He does say, wait. Sometimes we're waiting for His next instruction. But if we will put ourselves in a place where we say, Lord, I'm, I'm confessing my sin to You. I'm right with You. Lord, lead me where You want to go. We are ready to listen. We have that spiritual, if you will, phone up to our ears so that when the Holy Spirit leads and says go, we're ready to go and do it. The problem is for some of us, we get so busy, we put Him on mute. Uh, hang on, Holy Spirit, I, I have something else I need to do. Hang on, I, I'm working on this right now. I, I'm busy over here. Maybe we put ourselves in an environment where there's so much noise around us that we can no longer hear His voice. See, the Spirit often speaks in a still, small voice, doesn't He? Now I know the Holy Spirit doesn't call us on our cell phone. But in fact, it's better than that. Because you can go to places where your cell phone doesn't work. But there's no place that you can go that the Holy Spirit can't speak to you if you're putting yourself in a position to listen to His leading. If you are not walking in the Spirit, you will fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you want to experience God's plan for your life, and it's probably a lot more elaborate than go by the nursery and go by the piano. In fact, it's probably a lot better than that. You have to be listening to the Holy Spirit and walking with Him step by step. What would happen if on the way to the piano, Sam had just put the phone down and said, All right, I made it to the piano. I don't need to listen anymore. Well, he might be stuck over there at the piano for the rest of the night. And we say, Sam, why are you at the piano? Well, this is where I thought I was supposed to be. Why haven't you left there? They're locking up the building. There's other things. Oh, I just didn't know. Well, weren't you listening to instructions? Well, I was, but I stopped. How many times in our spiritual life do we get to a place where we just, we quit, we stop, we put it down. And all we have to do is pick it back up and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. Lord, lead me. I've gotten off the track. I've gotten off the path. But I want to follow your spirit. I want to walk in the spirit. Because I want to experience that kind of relationship with God. How long has it been since you've walked in the spirit? Even if it's been one day or a hundred days, I would invite you tonight to ask the Lord to forgive you, first of all. Because when you're not walking in the Spirit, you will be fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. People go, ah, I'm just coasting. 
There's no coasting spiritually. You're either walking with God or you're walking away from God. So, Lord, help me to follow you. I need your leading. I need your help. I need your direction. And you know what? Whether you're 8 years old or 80 years old or anywhere in between, we all need the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can walk with Him and hear what He has to say and follow Him each step of the way. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and talk to God right now. Lord, we love You. And we thank You for Your Word that helps us to understand better what it means to walk in the Spirit. Father, I pray for each one tonight that's here, that's watching online, that you would help them to understand and then to apply this truth tonight to their own lives. Lord, we need to walk in your Spirit. And I pray that we would confess our sins, that we would trust in you and follow you each day, even as you give little impulses and direction to us through your word, as you lay it out so clearly on the page, or maybe even as you remind us of someone or, or a see a need around us, and as we know your word, it prompts us then to minister to that person or to share the gospel with someone else. May we learn to be sensitive to your voice. Lord, may we be a church of spirit-filled, spirit-led people that would bring glory to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.